Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving, and we ask that you would speak to us through your word. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, Friends, we are continuing our journey talking about money. Uh, Last week, we discussed the psalmist who declared that the Lord, uh, what shall I return for all the blessings that God has given? I hope you were able to ponder on that question and as you thought about all the ways that God had rescued you uh, in the past. Uh, And we respond to God's blessing uh, by giving a token of our gratitude. Last week, um, in my opening uh, for this uh, sermon series, I had mentioned that we as a Mount Hope family are going to openly talk about money. And I said every week I'm going to remind you of three uh, expectations or ground rules uh, that that I would like us to hold. Um, And um, so here they are. (laughs) I just want us to remind us so that we are all um, on the same page. Uh, First is if you call Mount Hope your home uh, and you worship here, uh, this uh, 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 card was sent to you, and this is our response uh, to all of God's blessing. This is a card uh, that I'd like us to place next Sunday uh, in the offering basket um, as our uh, consecration Sunday, where we take the gifts uh, before God and say, God, we want to bless you through these gifts. Uh, And if you don't call Mount Hope your home, uh, I just ask that you just be part of this conversation, that you would learn what the Bible has to say about money. Uh, The second one uh, is um, I want us, each one of us, uh, whether you call Mount Hope your home or not, I want each one of us to discover the the joy of generosity, uh, that you would discover this gift of generosity, that you would find joy in giving. Uh, And also, as I say that, I just don't want you to give out of a sense of obligation. Please don't try to think, the pastor is again making me feel guilty. I'm going to throw in another 10 here. Please do not do that, all right? And finally, uh, finally, it is my hope uh, that we are all grounded, um, that we all hold this truth dear to our hearts. We hold this truth that all that God gives us is from God, and we give as a token of our gratitude. That is my hope uh, as we journey along in this uh, scripture. As Pastor Joanne mentioned uh, to you that these two roses, uh, uh, we had two funerals uh, this week. Uh, Louis Swigard uh, was one of them. She's a longtime member, uh, and uh, I heard stories about uh, how she served Mount Hope and the Black Pew ladies uh, that were there, uh, her group of friends, and how they did ministry together. And her granddaughter uh, said something really interesting. She said, you know, when I think about grandmom, she said she was so proper. She was so wonderful. She was so, there was nothing about her that was not improper. She kind of handled herself really well. But she said, but at the same time, she had a little bit of an edge to her. You know, she just had a little bit of an edge. And then she goes on to tell the story. Uh, that this past week, um, the granddaughter was going through a difficult time. As you can imagine, her grandmom passed away, and uh, she was at a yoga class, um, and she was doing yoga, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the class, she just broke down crying. And the yoga instructor uh, looked at her and said, oh, it's okay that you're crying. It's a full moon. The lunar something-something is creating a pressure, and you're going to feel emotional. It's okay for all of us to feel emotional. She had no clue that her grandmom passed away. 
And so the granddaughter sat there in the midst of her tears and said, I wonder what grandma would say. And she said, I know what she would say. She would hear this yoga instructor and say, oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> right? I've, I've been, as a pastor, I've been part of uh, these conversations with numerous people as we kind of sit together and share uh, stories of a loved one that was deceased. And, and the families share some beautiful stories that are filled with love. They speak about vacations and the joy and the laughter that they share together. And the family um, portrays the person who's been deceased in the best light possible. Yet in those moments, right, in those moments, in those conversations, or, uh, I remember one daughter uh, blurting out saying, well, dad used to drive me nuts. <laughs> Let me tell you how, right? And they all laughed. Uh, they all giggled. Uh, or the widow would say, oh, my gosh, I couldn't stand this man when he did this, right? In the midst of that moment, that sacred moment where we are sharing something beautiful about a person, we are still able to hold that which makes them completely human and broken together at the same time. And this is something that we do. We do this on a regular basis as human beings. We can hold both of these things together. Something that is beautiful and yet something that is a little edgy around the edge. So this morning, I want to use that same analogy as we talk and discuss about who our God is. Most of the time when we talk about our God, when we come to church and we discuss about who God is, we talk about God's goodness in our lives. We hear things that God is good. We hear how God is faithful to all God's people. We hear that our God is a healer and a rescuer. He comes to our rescue when we are in trouble. That is the God that we worship. And last week, we looked at the psalm where the, the whole entire psalm was about God's deliverance. As to how God showed up and rescued somebody. And we sing God's goodness and God's praises. Yet this morning's scripture that was read to us has some harsh words for the people of Israel. Malachi chapter 1, God is saying some pretty unkind things to these people. Verse 10, those were, those were God is saying to the people of Israel, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. I will appear, I will accept no offering from your hands. God is saying, I'm not pleased with you, Israel. People of Israel, I am not pleased with you. And please don't even bother opening the church doors. Just close them. Don't light a fire. Just don't bother. Here, God is clearly upset and is not pleased with the people of Israel. And I want us to hold both of them together. And before we look as to why God is so upset uh, with these people of Israel, I kind of want to talk about the geopolitical context of Malachi. Essentially, that fancy word means, who was Malachi talking to? What was happening when Malachi, the prophet, wrote these words on behalf of God? All right? What was happening? So before I can get there, I kind of want to give you a quick history, um, a three-minute history or a two-minute history of the people of Israel, just so that we're all on the same page. The people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, they were there enslaved for 400 years, and finally God hears their cries uh, and raises up a prophet named uh, Moses, a leader named Moses, 
Moses comes and delivers them from slavery, uh, takes them into the promised land. As they were going into the promised land, it takes them 40 years because they just don't know how to get things right. And in the midst of that journey, God gives them laws. He tells them, this is what you need to do when you go to the land flowing with milk and honey. And then they all go, settle in, and they start to live. Several generations pass by. There is a king, and King David is the ideal king, uh, a man of God, a man after God's own heart. is, And he is the one that everyone looks up to. And David reigns, and that is the most beautiful reign that Israel has ever experienced. And after that, it goes downhill because people forget about who their God is and what their God commanded them to do. And actually, when you look at the book of Deuteronomy, God clearly states um, certain expectations. He said, obey me and I'll bless you and I'll keep you in this land. Forget about my worship and you walk away from me, I'm going to take you out of this land. It was a very simple deal. In order for these people to live in this land, they had to follow God. And then, after the reign of David and Solomon and his sons, the kingdom is divided, and they slowly begin to walk away from God. And with the promise that God made in Deuteronomy comes to be true. They are taken into exile. They are enslaved people. Uh, Assyrians come and take the northern kingdom uh, and enslave them. And then the Babylonians come and take another portion of Israel and enslave them. So for over a hundred years, uh, these people are not living in the land that God promised them. They're living as slaves in a foreign land. And, uh, and then they repent. And the Israel's nation repents. And there are different prophets who speak of that. And God hears their cry again. And he brings them back home. And he brings them back home. So Malachi chapter 1 opens to the people that have witnessed God's deliverance. This, is, this book is called a post-exilic book. So the exile happened. They're back living in Israel in the promised land that God made a promise to Abraham. That promise is being lived out. And these people who are living and hearing the words of Malachi are first generation who have seen God's work and are living in Israel. And God commanded how, what it means for them to worship. What is proper worship? God says that worship should be intentional. That worship should be intentional. That they should seek God. They should prepare themselves and seek God. And the people in Malachi are not doing that. This is what we read again, verse 10. Oh, that one of you will shut the temple doors. So that you would not light useless fires at my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. I will accept no offering from your hands. God here is saying, you're not worshiping intentionally. You're not taking time to worship me. Just don't bother worshiping at all. Close the temple doors. Don't give me an offering. Friends, our God is a God who requires proper and intentional worship. Don't bother worshiping God if it is just haphazard put together. Worship needs to be something that is intentional. And the reason I see this is because this, were, this is how they were worshiping the living God. When you bring an injured 
lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifice. Should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am the great king, the Lord Almighty. My name is to be feared among the nations. See, the Israelite people lived, um, they were farmers. Uh, they did agriculture. They grew stuff uh, from the ground. They had sheep. They grew crops of wheat and corn. And they were supposed to take everything that God has given, a 10% of that, and give it to the God who blessed them. But here, they're saying, well, I'm going to hang on to some of these things. And I'm just going to give this lame, diseased animal to God. I'm going to keep the good stuff for myself, and I'm just going to give this. Like, does it really matter? Would God be upset if I just did this so that I can sell the good stuff? Why is God, it's okay to do that, is what they were thinking. And God is saying, I don't want your leftovers. God is saying, I don't want your leftovers. I don't want the stuff you can't sell in the market. What you can't get rid of, don't bring it into the temple. Is what God is saying. God is saying that is not worship. That is not intentional worship. I think God is saying in some ways to us as we apply these words to us that we might be thinking, I've spent all I have and here's some leftover dollars and I'm going to put it in the offering plate, God. I hope you don't mind. And God is saying, no, I care. I care about the way, the attitude that you have. For I am a great king, says the Lord, verse 14. And my name is to be feared among the nations. Our God is great king, and he's supposed to be feared among the nations. I think our God is saying to Mount Hope, UMC, to be intentional in our worship. Not necessarily give our leftovers, but be intentional. That we put thought into our offerings. We are not giving our leftovers, but we are giving our best. That is what our God is calling us to do. That is what God is calling me to do, and that is what God is calling you to do. So what does it mean for us to be intentional about worshiping our God with our tithes and our offering? What is God saying today? What does that look like? I want to show this video. It's a conversation between a dad um, and his daughter. Let's watch this. Okay, maybe we need to go over this one more time. Do we have to? Well, sweetie, I don't know if you're getting a good grasp of the ratios here. Fine. Okay, all right, step by step. Before we spend any money, what's the first thing that we do? Give to God. Good. And why do we do that? Because he first loved and gave to us. Good. Good, good, good. Okay, great. Now, the second jar here is for so many different things. Hold on. What? God lives in heaven, right? Yeah, he lives in heaven. And heaven has streets paved with gold, right? Streets paved with gold, sure, yes. So why does he need my money if I don't even have a job? <laughs> 
Okay. All right. So good question. So basically when we give to God, we're, we're giving to the church. So the church gives the money to God? No, the church keeps the money. Oh, does God know about this? <laughs> yes, he uh, basically built the system, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. See, sweetie, as you grow up, there is nothing better than giving back to God. In the Bible, it's the only place God says, test me on this. When it comes to your money, he says, test me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you. And your mom and I, we do just that. Even when things are tough, we always give the first part of our money back to God. And then the church takes that money and does all kinds of things to make God famous, uh, like camps and mission trips and even VBS that you love so much, and even helps out people that are in need. You can't outgive God. And when God says test him and you do it, he will come through every single time. Okay, Dad, I get it. I do have one question, though. Okay. Why do we need to test God if he already knows all the answers? That's, that's good. Let me just retrace my steps here just for a minute. Malachi chapter 3. I love that. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 and following. This is what we read. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing? And tithes and offering. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Malachi 3.10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for anyone to store it. Friends, God here is saying that he is going to pour out our blessings, that there would not be room enough to store it. Friends, I want you to know that Kristen and I have experienced these blessings. These words are for real. These words are for real. When Kristen and I have learned the joy of generosity, when we put God first and intentionally gave to God, God has blessed us. God's provisions in our lives are so wonderful. We can spend the next 10 hours just talking about how God blessed us. It is these, uh, these stories that we have um, are carried for the past 16 years. Uh, Kristen and I celebrated our 16th anniversary this week. Please someone make her a saint really quick in the church. <laughs> And, but God has blessed us. We have journeyed together and God has blessed us. There are so many blessings. And I think God is trying to say to each one of us, saying, try me. Try me. Some of us might get caught up as to what is a tithe. What is 10% of all that we give to God? So what does that mean for us? Uh, does it mean 10% before taxes? 10% after taxes? That seems like a lot. No way, I'm not going to give 10%. That's a joke. That's a lot of money. 
When we read the scriptures, when we read the Old and New Testaments together, 10% tithing is a biblical concept. But when we read the New Testament as, as a whole, we see that the people of Acts sold all their belongings and brought it to the feet of the apostles. And God is saying to us is, trust me with your finances. Intentionally worship God. Put a certain amount of money, whatever that is for you. For some, it could be 10%. For others, it could be 5%. For some, it could be 2%. And for others, it could be 15%. Whatever it is, I ask that you would stick to that number with a sense of intentionality. Not an afterthought. And that's what this stewardship card is all about. It is intentionally saying to us, that this is what I would like to do this year for my God. I don't know where I will be, but this is what I would like to do. This is how I would like to give back to God. And friends, I want to remind you that God is going to bless you. God is going to bless you. Friends, it's not about that each one of us here uh, gives equally, but each one of us gives sacrificially, that we give intentionally. Friends, I want to invite you into this joy of giving, into living generously. In doing so, you're saying, God, I trust you with all that I have. I give to you as an act of worship. So friends, this uh, week, I want you to sit with this card. And I want you to bring this card next week. And we're going to place this in our offering plate as an act of worship. And let me tell you, you will be blessed. The floodgates are gonna open and you'll be blessed so that you can be a blessing to so many others. Let us pray. A God who gives us all the blessings that we have, who pours out your blessings. God, we ask that you would give us the courage to live generously. God, that you would bless us so that we can be a blessing to those around us, that our blessings would overflow into the lives of others. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.